And now it's time for Back to the Futures on the BetQL Network with Travis Thomas and Brandon Sprague. Oh, yeah. Back like we never left, except one of us isn't here. Back to the Futures. Travis Thomas here. Brandon Sprague out sick this week. But don't worry. The super producer, Zach Kroll, holding us down. Super producer Zach, usually behind the scenes, we see him when we play Guess the Line, but this week he's going the full show. Zach, welcome in. I want to start right off the top talking about the AFC and reacting to what we've seen this week, week 14 in the NFL, because uh, it has been insane, yet another insane slate of games. I want to start with the Vegas Raiders, who had the nerve to come into Kansas City and just be so disrespectful all over the Chiefs logo. And uh, I guess someone forgot to tell them that the Chiefs have been hot as of late and you're the Raiders. So essentially, they came in to start the game and disrespected the logo right before the game started. And then they never even made it to midfield. They never even made it to the logo. It felt like in this game, getting shellacked. 48 to nine. Let's start there, Zach. I mean, as you look at the Chiefs now, been hot as of late. Are they the best team in the AFC? Well, Travis, first wanted to say thanks for having me today. Always love uh, doing this show with you here, Back to the Futures, Bet QL. But what a crazy game. If you remember last year, uh, the first time the Raiders and the Chiefs met, it was at Arrowhead Stadium, and somehow, some way, the Raiders were able to pull out a win. And after the game, they were going nuts, doing the whole victory lap uh, after the game in the parking lot. That bus was on fire. And if you've <laughs> noticed, these two rivals have now played three times since then, two in Vegas and then one more time here today at Arrowhead Stadium. So you know the Chiefs always get up to play the Raiders. And then before the game, just stomping and disrespecting that Chiefs logo. If you've watched football recently at all, you know that is a big no-no, especially to do it right before the game. And it felt like as soon as you blink to start, the Chiefs were up 7 nothing as Josh Jacobs fumbles the football. And the Chiefs defense, who's been playing much better uh, throughout the course of the season, takes it back for a touchdown. So that was a really impressive win for the Chiefs. And after all the struggles that they've had to start this season, yep. after all the questions we've asked about them, the fact that they are here right now as one of the best teams in the AFC, maybe the best team in the AFC, it shows you a lot about Andy Reid the kind of coach he is. And that was just a a dominant effort today by the Chiefs. I agree. Listen, I think they are the best team in the AFC. I'm looking at their schedule here, Zach. I mean, we know they've won six in a row. But what I wanted to see was what the opposition is scoring against the Chiefs. Just in this win streak, listen to the totals. 17 points, 7 points, 14 points, 9 points, another 9 point, then 9 points today. So for three straight weeks, they have held the opposition to nine points in these games. I mean, for me, that is the difference. I I just look at this and I think, you know, how many years did we talk about the Chiefs offense? Even going back to Alex Smith, right? The Chiefs offense putting up all these numbers, but the defense could never stop anyone. This year, as we've seen, they've kind of been a roller coaster ride with Mahomes and that offense, although lately they've got it rolling. But Earlier in the season, all of us were saying, and even up until recently during this streak, 
all of us were saying, what's wrong with the Chiefs? Something's off with Mahomes. What's going on? Is it health? Has, has Kelsey lost a step? Uh, you know, what are we seeing offensively? Meanwhile, the defense is dominating people, Zach. So for me now, it seems as though you're starting to get both things clicking at the same time for the first time this season. And if you're Kansas City, I, I mean, I got to tell you, Zach, this is the best time for that to happen. Now, as I look at their schedule ahead, you know, it's a huge game Thursday night in La La Land taking on the Chargers. That's a big game because we'll talk about the Chargers here in a second. Uh, they look great as well uh, this week in the NFL. But you have the Chargers game in L.A., then you're home against Pittsburgh. We know that's a desperate team, Zach, uh, trying to fight for their wild card lives. Then you go to Cincinnati, another team fighting for their wild card life or even that AFC North division title. And then you end it in mile high at Denver, which is a scrappy team, if nothing else, and maybe playing for a wild card that game as well. So the next four games for this Kansas City Chiefs team, uh, I mean, all four of those games mean business and have playoff implications. But to me, right now at this second, even with the Patriots, even with the Titans, I am willing to say that I believe the Kansas City Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. I think they're the best team, Zach. Yeah, one other thing about Kansas City for me that I've really realized throughout the course of the season, which is so impressive, is that Kansas City, they obviously had a rough start. They yep. clearly weren't the same chief team that we've gotten used to seeing on the field just dominate the AFC over the past couple of years. But even with that being said, they still found a way to keep themselves right in the race by winning just enough games. And that's what good teams do when they're not at their best, just finding a way to get through it. And even when they don't play their best, sometimes just finding a way to leave with the win. If you remember the chiefs barely beat the New York giants on Monday night football, they barely beat the green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing and Jordan love started and Jordan love couldn't complete a pass in that game. The chiefs still only won that game by six, the game against the Dallas Cowboys, their defense really won them that game. Patrick Mahomes couldn't really get going. And now, as you said, we've seen really over the last couple of weeks, everything has started to click and they look like more of a complete team between this offense, which was great today. Andy Reid as a head coach and a defense who was much more important than people realized to the team that won the Super Bowl just two years ago. A lot of those uh, same key pieces are back. So this Kansas City team is one with championship DNA, and that's no joke. You have to take that seriously. And the way they've responded uh, throughout the course of the season to a lot of adversity has been really impressive to me. Now, the AFC North had themselves quite a week, Zach. I mean, you look at the division, the Browns hung on to beat the Ravens, who, by the way, lose their star quarterback. They were already a mass unit, Zach. I mean, honestly, they're already the walking wounded. Then you lose Lamar Jackson to an ankle injury. He was carted off. Never a good sign. Now, he was back on the sidelines in a walking boot, but still not a good sign there for the Ravens, who cannot afford any injuries, especially to the superhero quarterback. So the Browns win that game barely. By the way, I had the Browns minus two and a half. G can you believe that, Zach? I mean, the hook is a crook this week for your boy. But anyway, so the Browns win that game. Bengals lose in overtime to the Niners. The Steelers, we remember, lost on that Thursday night thriller themselves on the last play. 
and the Browns did win the game against the Ravens. So the only team to win in the division are the Browns. What in the hell do you make of the AFC North? I can't figure it out week to week, Zach. It's so crazy, Travis, because when I look at this AFC North division, I feel like at a different point at uh, each at a different time in the season, like yeah. there was a time I, I expected, oh, the Bengals are the team to beat in this division. Then there was a time I expected the Browns were the team to beat, then the Steelers and the Ravens. And I think one conclusion I have with this division over 14 weeks is there just isn't really a good team. And there's no team that mm-hmm. I could trust in this division right now. The Cincinnati Bengals look like they should be the best team. And Joe Burrow had some good moments today after the Bengals couldn't really get any offensive offense going. They were down 20 to six in the fourth quarter and Burrow rallies them for two late touchdowns to get the game into overtime. But unfortunately the Bengals were not able to get the win. They kicked a field goal on their opening possession of overtime. It's a disappointing loss. Then you will get the Ravens. Like I'm not shocked by this. The Ravens deserve credit for even being in this conversation, considering the amount of injuries they've had from before the season started Today, Lamar Jackson goes down, and I I give Tyler Huntley props. He wasn't bad. We've seen much worse backup quarterbacks, and he gave the Ravens somewhat of a chance to win that game late. Justin Tucker pulls off the onside kick, and the fact that even though the Browns won, like the fact that this game was even close, that doesn't reflect real well on Cleveland. We all realize that Baker Mayfield isn't 100% healthy right now, but that's not an excuse if you're on the field, you should be playing, and he's not effective right now. We know that Cleveland's best way to win is running the football, playing good defense, but that can only get you so far in the playoffs. And Pittsburgh, they've just worn me out for the course of the season. This defense should be one of the best defenses in football. They're clearly not. I feel like they are the opposite of clutch. They have not really risen up to the big occasions. And the fact that they were down 29 nothing to start that game against Minnesota <laughs> on Thursday night football – that's a problem. So really, Travis, there is not a team I trust in this AFC North right now. I think this is the vision we have to take really on a week-to-week basis. I completely agree, especially when you look at the health or lack thereof of the Ravens. I think it's anyone's division. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you, if the Browns end up winning this division. Let me ask you about a team right now in that final wild card spot, and we expected them certainly to be much higher in the seedings. Uh, to even be leading the division, and they're not. And that's the Buffalo Bills, who, by the way, lost their second game in a row in overtime to the Buccaneers this week. What do you make of the Bills? I mean, you know, I look at them, and I got to tell you, Zach, you look right behind them uh, in the race for this wild card spot, the final wild card spot right now. I see the Cleveland Browns, who we just talked about, the Bengals, who we just talked about, and we all know that'll kind of work itself out because one of those teams could win the division, possibly the Broncos right there and the Steelers right there, all nipping on the heels of the bills. Do you think the bills will hang on and be a playoff team? Because I'm starting to have second, third and fourth thoughts about this team. I mean, I'm just seeing a lifeless team. They got their ass beat and embarrassed at home uh, by the Patriots on that big Monday night game. And then I thought this was a spot where, I know it's a tall order to go to Tampa and beat Tom and the Buccaneers, but the Bills came back in this game. I thought going to overtime was the best thing that could happen to them. Uh, I thought they would win the game, and they still lose it as they give up the walk-off status to Brady. This is a team I think that's struggling to find themselves, Zach. I have a lot of concerns that the Bills may miss the playoffs. 
So the problem with Buffalo that I find so funny is this is a team that had a really good season last year. They made it all the way to the AFC championship game, and they went into this offseason with the approach of, we're not going to let Kansas City beat us in a big game and again. The problem is they forgot about New England in their own division, and they are just not a team really that's built to to play in Buffalo. Like They don't have a run game, and I think that has really cost them over the last couple of weeks, Josh Allen threw the ball basically all throughout the whole game today. The Bills really didn't run the ball much. And I think the fact that they're just very one dimensional has cost them. And New England right now looks like to be the clear best team in the AFC East. And when I look at the Bills, the only thing going forward uh, I feel good about in terms of Buffalo, it's their schedule. Their mm-hmm. next four games, home against Carolina, that's a game you have to win at New England, home against Atlanta, and home against the Jets. So three of the Bills' last four games will be at home. The one big road game is against New England. So I think Buffalo, given their schedule, they better finish 3-1 and at the absolute worst. And I think with that, they should be able to find their way into the playoffs with a record of 10-7. and But at the same time, given what the expectations were for this team going into the season, how close they were to the Super Bowl last year, and people were expecting Josh Allen to take a step forward after his great year, this offense just hasn't been as good and as dynamic as it was a season ago, and it's costing them. It really is. Let me ask you about a set of games here, and you tell me which one's the most important. Thursday night, we get the Chiefs at the Chargers. Saturday night, we get the Patriots at the Colts. I mean, if you wanted to, you could even throw in that Raiders at Browns game, which is also Saturday afternoon, uh, if you wanted to. That has playoff implications. Sunday, Titans at Steelers, Bengals at Broncos. Which one of these AFC matchups do you see as being the biggest? Because for me, I'm going Saturday night. That Patriots-Colts game, is a monster game. And I got to tell you, uh, early returns here, I saw it open as a pick em. I'm going Colts. I think the Colts, as we talked about the Bills being towards the bottom, uh, being in that last wild card spot, I like the Colts to um, snatch one of those wild card spots, whether it's a sixth or seventh seed. I, I think this Colts team's going to get in the playoffs. And I think this win against the Patriots that they're going to get this upcoming week is going to go a long way in solidifying that. Out of those matchups that I gave you, which game intrigues you the most? So I would agree with you. I would say Colts-Patriots as well. I've always been someone that has been really high uh, on this Colts team. I think the fit with Carson Wentz, with Frank Reich and Jonathan Taylor and a good defense and, more importantly, like a good offensive line around this Colts team, that gives them a chance to win. Another team we didn't talk about much is Tennessee in the AFC South. I know it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's really not saying much, but they are still right at the top of this AFC conversation as well. To end this segment, Travis, i throw it back over to you real quickly. Uh, when you look at the Titans, where do you think they fit in, the, in all well, this? Well, listen, I just don't trust them, but they keep winning games. So what are you going to do? I mean, you're right. They get Jacksonville. They have this tough game against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh against a desperate Steeler team. They go to San Fran. I'm sorry, they host San Fran, they host Miami. Uh, those will be tough games, but then they end it with a cupcake in Houston taking on the Texans. So I think the Titans are getting a lot of breaks, but we'll see in the playoffs. I don't trust them. We've talked AFC and the playoff outlook becoming more clear this week. When we come back, we'll break down the NFC as well. Back to the futures. Travis Thomas, Zach Kroll, pulling in. 
Start your day with a daily tip featuring Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on The Bet. Presented by BetMGM. In the AFC, the Raiders are taking on the Chiefs this weekend. This line has moved. Yesterday morning, it was Chiefs minus 9.5. We have seen some money come in on Las Vegas. Today, it is Chiefs laying 8.5. I still like the Raiders plus 8.5 in Kansas City. I'm not a believer yet in Kansas City being that team that everyone expects them to be. The defense has stepped up, but Patrick Mahomes still isn't looking like Patrick Mahomes. Well, do you ever feel like you can't bet the same bet again? Because this is almost the same line that it was last time, and I was on the Raiders. And for that reason, I feel like I have to stay away from this one because if I bet on the Raiders again and they lose, I'm going to be real mad. At some point, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw a touchdown pass. I feel like that's not a hot take. I think that's the hottest take you've ever had on this show. The Daily Tip, morning 6 to 9 Eastern from the BetQL Network, America's home for wagertainment. It's BetQL Daily with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth, presented by FanDuel, 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Matt Campbell says the goal was not to win the Big 12. It was to be a better version of ourselves. Underperforming, and that's what he says. If I'm a player, I am not motivated, and I might be a little angry by that. Yeah, I'm stealing this line, by the way, from now on. Whenever I screw up, I'm just going to say, my goal was not to actually do this. My goal is just right. to be a better version of myself. Like, I leave the dinner in the oven for too long. I burn dinner at home. Listen, that wasn't my goal to take the dinner out of the oven. My goal is to be a better version of myself moving forward. You can't do that in any career. Imagine if you had a goal at work and your boss is like, you know, you didn't hit your goal. Hey, listen, I'm just trying to be a better version of myself. I don't know what your goals are. BetQL Daily with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth, presented by FanDuel, 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. The sports betting world never sleeps, so wrap up your day with BetMGM Tonight, featuring Ryan Horvath, Quentin Mayo, and Trista Crick, 7 to 11 Eastern from the BetQL Network. You forget popcorn, you forget forget your best thing, you cheat on your husband. That's kind of like the, that's the natural progression. Well, I want popcorn. You guys I was lying know. to. I've already Befuddled. given out my stances on monogamy as a whole, anyway. So don't worry about. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Future husband that I don't that does not exist because I don't, don't believe in it. I will that. never cheat on you because this will never Cause, ever cause be a the thing. cheating thing implies that there's a contract that we made that doesn't allow me to do that. It's like saying I cheated on my diet, but I eat ice cream every night as that's what I do. Because I can. Because I can. Because I control. Yeah. My body. But MGM tonight, Trista Crick can't cheat on you because she will never be with you officially. That's a play. Or the official will be just a different official. Bet MGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern from the BetQL Network, America's home for wagertainment. Let's get back to more Back to the Futures with Travis Thomas and Brandon Sprague, only on the BetQL Network. Back to the Futures, back with you. Travis Thomas here. Brandon Sprague out sick this week. So super producer Zach Kroll coming out of the bullpen, throwing straight gas. All right, Zach, we talked AFC to start the show. Now let's pivot and shift to the NFC. You know, I'm here in Washington, D.C., and I cover the Washington football team, and I was all over the game today as they hosted the Dallas Cowboys. Now leading up to this game all week, There was trash talk. Mike McCarthy guaranteed a win. Then Jerry Jones came out and said, Washington, D.C. is one of our favorite markets. We make all the money there. Then the Cowboys had the nerve to fly in their benches from the home games. They had heated, nice, luxury benches 
on the sideline at FedEx Field in this game. So all they did was talk trash all week. And in the beginning of this game, Zach, it looked like they bent over the Washington football team, spanked them, and called them Charlie. Now, Washington fought back. Dallas goes on to win 27-20. But make no mistake, it was a pretty dominant performance by the Cowboys as that defense won the day for Dallas, creating four turnovers in the win against Washington. What were your takeaways from that game? And also, you know, do you trust Dallas moving forward? Because these look like two playoff teams to me, Zach. The crazy thing about Dallas, me going into this game was for all the trash they were talking, like this was a huge game. I didn't really understand why Mike McCarthy was saying that going in. There's really no need for bulletin board material going into such a division game with so much at stake. The Cowboys, after a really good start to the season, like even with their start of the season, they haven't really had that one signature win. And I understand they were able to go into New England in week six and they were able to beat the Patriots, but the Patriots didn't really hit their stride back then. They weren't really looking like the same team they are looking like right now as one of the best teams in the AFC. They weren't looking great in that game. And since then, you look at all of Dallas's wins. They've beaten the Vikings, the Falcons. They've beaten the Saints with a terrible Taysom Hill at quarterbacks. They've lost to the Raiders. They've lost to the Broncos. This was a game Dallas really needed, and I was impressed. They came ready to play. They were able to, to get a win, but the fact is Washington was this close to coming back and winning this game. Dak Prescott throws the pick six to Holcomb, which gives Washington some life, and, and they had a real chance to win it in the end, so Dallas came ready to play, but the fact that they weren't really able to give the complete team effort, it was a little concerning, and right now, even though after this win, they do look like uh, that they should probably win the NFC East. This is a team that should be in the Super Bowl conversation with the amount of talent that they have. Micah Parsons out here making big plays throughout the game. Randy Gregory uh, had the big interceptions. Parsons is looking like uh, he could win Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie, which is uh, super impressive. And uh, yeah, overall, you know, it's the NFL. You're never going to apologize for a division win. And I give Dallas somewhat credit, but they weren't able to put together the complete team effort. And if you want to go to the Super Bowl and beat teams at the top of the NFC, like the Bucks, like uh, the Packers, Arizona, like you have to put together better efforts than that. And considering Mike McCarthy and his track record as a head coach, even though it's looking like Dallas will make the playoffs, I'm not 100% sure if I am that bought in with these guys as a big threat just yet. I'm 100% sure I am not brought in on the Dallas Cowboys. Listen, uh, something is up with Dak Prescott, and I have no idea what it is. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on Back to the Futures, but I believe it's health-related. When he takes off to run, uh, he is very timid. He's very reluctant to do it. He slides early, whereas you would have seen Dak in the past try to make a move or run somebody over, we've even seen him do. He's a big physical kid. Uh, now he has just given himself up really quickly in his scrambles. I don't know what's going on. I guess that maybe that calf that he did injure uh, earlier this season is bothering him, but he has not looked the same. This Dallas team cannot run the football either. Zeke Elliott, again, not a doctor, just playing one on Back to the Futures, but he looks rickety to me. I mean, he's a physical running back that is shying away from contact. Something's not right. Uh, Tony Pollard, who was running the ball more effectively for Dallas than Zeke Elliott was, didn't even play in the game against Washington because of injuries. So they're having some issues. Yes, they have weapons on the outside. Yes, 
this defense is playing good enough to be a Super Bowl caliber defense. There's no question about that. But something is off with Dak, and this running game for the Dallas Cowboys is in the middle of an identity crisis. I do not buy this team at all. In fact, I think they beat the Giants next week because the Giants flat out stink, okay? I think they I think this Dallas team will lose to Washington at home on Sunday night football in two weeks. They will lose at home to Arizona. And then they may very well lose the game in Philly, the finale. We know that the Eagles are a tough team and especially at home. Uh, by the way, that will be in January. You think uh, Philly in January is Pleasantville? I certainly don't. I'm not buying the Cowboys, to be honest with you, Zach. I do think they'll win the division. I think they did that this week by beating Washington. I think their lead in the division's too insurmountable for any of these teams. But ultimately, when we get to the playoffs, I will be fading the Cowboys. I think they're one and done at best. All right, uh, how about Tampa? Now, we talked about the other side on the AFC with the Bills losing the game. We haven't really talked about Tampa winning it. I mean, to me, it felt like a MVP moment for Tom Brady. He may very well take the MVP from Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, and the Buccaneers just keep rolling as they improve to 10-3 and three now, Zach. Uh, that is a team that I know both of us believe in uh, to possibly, you know, repeat as champs. Yeah, it's so interesting with Tampa Bay. They went into this game against Buffalo Guns of Blazing. Brady uh, is out here throwing touchdowns. Leonard Fournette had the big run. He's been such a key factor in the success that the Buccaneers have had uh, so far to start off this season. Uh, the one thing I will say about Tampa Bay is last year, one thing that I really recognized during their Super Bowl run is they had some really good injury luck. They didn't have that many players get hurt. And this year, throughout the course of the season, starting with week one in that opening night game against Dallas, when Sean Murphy Bunting, one of their top corners, goes down with an injury, that kind of uh, signaled everything that was going to happen with this Buccaneers season uh, in terms of injuries. But they have been getting healthier. And I do think that their effort today uh, was one of their more encouraging ones in a while, going up against a very good and very desperate Buffalo Bills team who needed a win in the absolute worst way. Tampa Bay was able to play in a close game with the, another really good football team, and they were able uh, to come away with the win. And when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, uh, you are always going to feel like you have the advantage in the close game. Uh, Buffalo, they had the ball late down three. Uh, it, in the waning seconds of the fourth quarter and they weren't able to put the ball in the end zone. And when you make that mistake against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, most of the time you are going to pay for it. So uh, Tampa Bay, that's a really encouraging win. I do believe them and green Bay and Arizona are right at the top of that uh, NFC conversation. And uh, it was a really encouraging win for Tampa. It really was. Well, you talked about the top of the NFC, and I, I, I can agree with you on all those. There's no pushback from me. But let's talk about the bottom because right now the 49ers are in that final wild card spot with a huge overtime win for them against the Bengals, who we've already talked about on the AFC side of things. But how about the Niners? I mean, I thought for sure when that game went to overtime, especially with it being in the jungle in Cincy, I thought the Bengals were going to win that game. And again, uh, this 49er team just showing the heart. George Kittle had a monster game, 13 catches, a buck 51 and a tutty. 
how about the Niners? I mean, are you buying them? Do you think they can hang on for a wild card? Neither one of us, I'm sure, uh, take them to come back in the NFC West and make any noise over the Cardinals. But can they secure a wild card spot? Because I got to tell you, Zach, looking ahead to next week, the Niners host the Falcons who are in a wild card chase of their own. They're six and seven Niners are at seven and six. That's how tight these things are. There's no margin for error in the NFC. Do you believe in the 49ers, not only as a wild card team, but hosting the Falcons next week in a monster playoff like game? So I do, but they are one of these teams that is just so hard to trust The 49ers have been a team that's been very up and down throughout the course of the season. But one thing that they do have is just blue chip guys that when they perform at their best, most of the time you're going to find a way to win. George Kittle, as you mentioned, looking like the George Kittle of two years ago, who is the best tight end in the NFL. When you have a guy like Debo Samuel, who is back healthy in the lineup, making plays today, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, even with a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not the greatest quarterback in the world. The fact that San Francisco just had those blue chip guys that they were able to use in a tough environment today in overtime against Cincy. Like, look, I'm not the biggest believer in terms of San Francisco, in terms of uh, the NFC contenders, obviously. But, hey, the fact that they were up 20 to 6 on the road, let the lead get away late, and they were still able to find a way to win. uh, Not everyone in the NFL could do that. You have to be a tough team to win a game like that in a tough road environment. And, uh, you know, look, San Francisco, they already won a tough 50-50 game at home when it came to the wild card race earlier this season against the Minnesota Vikings. Last week was a step backwards against Seattle. I give them credit for finding a way to win here this week. But you just never want to go that with that one step forward, one step back approach that I feel like this 49er team has been using the whole season against Atlanta next week. I get it. The Falcons have been playing much better. They've been one of the surprise teams uh, on the season. But if you're the 49ers, there's no excuse. That's a game you have to win at home. Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, as you look at the wild card race in the NFC, which one of the teams behind the 49ers do you think could put the biggest push, the biggest pressure on the Niners? Because there's no, I mean, you just broke it down. The Niners have no wiggle room. They they're maybe have to win out uh, to get to secure that wild card spot in this NFC, which is loaded. But as you look at these teams, I'm going to rattle them off. You tell me who do you think can push them the most? You have the Washington football team, strong defensive team, limited offensively, well coached. Minnesota Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins, high powered offense uh, with Dalvin Cook, questionable defense, questionable coaching decisions at times. The Eagles, overachieving team i mean what every week we talk about the eagles hanging in there beating teams they have no business beating so the eagles are right there falcons we just talked about the saints uh and then obviously seattle winning this week keeps them in it as well which one of these teams do you look at and think maybe can put some pressure on the niners or do you believe or of you the mindset that the niners would beat themselves here none of these teams really worry you per se the Niners just have to handle their business or do you think one of these teams can make it uh tough for the Niners to secure a wild card spot so the good thing for the Niners is that they have some winnable games that game next week against the Falcons I think could be one that determines their season I think if they win that game they're going to find a way to make the playoffs and if they lose 
they're not making the playoffs because after that, they have to go to Tennessee, 50-50 game, probably a game you lose, home against Houston, and then at the Rams. Now, I know the Niners and um, Shanahan historically have had a very uh, good time playing against the Rams, but still on the road, that could be a game the Rams need. So I do think San Francisco is going to find their way into the playoffs just based on that blue chip talent. The other team, though, in that mix that you mentioned that I would give a legit shot to challenge them is actually a team that didn't play today. That's the Eagles. They're Mm going to be at home against Washington next week. That is a huge game. But I'm looking at this Eagles schedule. It's not too hard. It's all games in the division. When they host Washington, they host the Giants. They go to Washington again. So those two teams will play two times in a three-week span. And then they'll end uh, hosting Dallas. I don't even know who this team's quarterback is, but really, whoever it is, I feel okay about it. I really felt encouraged what Gardner Minshew was able to do uh, to the Jets last week. And uh, Jalen Hurts, we know uh, he can make some plays on the ground with his legs. So with the schedule being a key factor, the Eagles might just be that team I would pick uh, that would give the 49ers a run. I don't trust the Vikings, as Sprague said. Uh, they should I mean, they they give them credit. They were able to beat the Steelers, but that was a game they easily could have lost. I don't trust the Saints with Taysom Hill. Washington's schedule is a little bit more difficult uh, than Philly. So I will take the Eagles as that last team. Yeah, I you know, great minds think alike. I'm right there with you with Philly, but I'll I'll make a case for Washington. I mean, listen, Philly will have Jalen Hurts back, and we'll see what they do with Minsu or Hurts or both. Uh, could could even be packages for one or the other. But for me, I'm going to go Washington uh, for similarly of what you said. They play Philly twice. Uh, they get Dallas again on the, uh, the Sunday nighter I mentioned in two weeks. And then the Giants should be a layup at this point. So I'm, I'm with you. I think the winner of that Eagles-Washington matchup will be the team to challenge San Francisco for that final wild uh, wild card spot, and I just think the Niners' schedule is more difficult uh, than you do. I, I mean, I think that's a brutal schedule. So to me, I look at Washington or Philly, whoever wins that game, coming out of that as being the team that will challenge the Niners. Now we're not done talking NFL. Zach and I look at the current Super Bowl odds when we come back, and we'll take a deep dive into some some upcoming college bowl games as well can you even believe zach it's college bowl season we've been talking college all season like a tree and get out of here the sports betting world never sleeps so wrap up your day with betmgm tonight featuring ryan horvat quentin mayo and trista crick 7 to 11 eastern from the betql network minus 135 the different nuggets on the money line plus 110 more Chihuahua love, love right now. The, the Chihuahua Chihuahuas. is back in Philadelphia. I love that. He might be the good luck charm, to be completely honest. Um, and, of course, starting in about seven minutes. This Chihuahua is jumping through full of hoops and everything. The, the Chihuahua what, dunks. Listen. He's a bodybuilder, but also a gymnast. And the Chihuahua is now jumping through the hula hoop. That dog is a, Listen, if so you cute. want a promotion for why you should get NBA League Pass, this yeah. is it right now. Because if you don't have League Pass, you'll never see it. I don't know like, what's better, the Chihuahua or those tight, how this guy got those tight, skinny white jeans that he's wearing. Those mm-hmm. are very, no, I can see I a cell no phone. BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern, from the BetQL Network, America's home for wagertainment. We are all on this planet together, so join Odyssey and find your one thing. 
This holiday season, give the environment a gift by investing in some LED Christmas lights. LEDs last years longer than regular lights, which means less electronic waste over time. Also, LED Christmas lights are far more energy efficient, wasting less energy as heat, which means a smaller electric bill. And be sure to recycle old, inefficient Christmas lights at appropriate e-waste facilities. Join Odyssey, and together, each of us doing one thing makes a greener tomorrow. What's your one thing? It's BetQL Daily with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth, presented by FanDuel, 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Guys, I'm back after uh, feeling a little under, under the weather yesterday. Sounds like the show was off the rails a little bit. Yeah, let's, let's get the cat out of the bag. Uh, okay. Are you wearing pants or are you wearing underwear? Uh, yes to both. I'm one of yeah. two. We established no one wears underwear on this show. <laughs> well, I, like, I, you know I didn't know that was a thing. I, I just assumed I should. BetQL Daily with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth, presented by FanDuel, 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. The best players in the league perform even better with a great assist. And using BetQL to help take your sports betting to the next level, it's an MVP move. BetQL analyzes every bet from every game to find you the most profitable opportunities. Sometimes a spread is off by a few points or a total is way too high or low. BetQL shows you where the real value is so you can make smarter bets and cash in more consistently. All the bets from today's games are clearly listed and ranked on a scale of one to five stars. Those five-star bets give you the best chance to win and have shown real proven results. Get insights on sides, totals, player props, and more. Combined with articles from BetQL's team of wagering experts, BetQL has you covered for pro and college games, football, basketball, baseball, and even hockey and soccer. It's time to get better at betting with BetQL. Visit BetQL.com and use promo code BET for 20% off. That's 20% off with promo code BET at BetQL.com. Let's get back to more Back to the Futures with Travis Thomas and Brandon Sprague, only on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to Back to the Futures. Travis Thomas here. Brandon Sprague is actually out sick this week. So looky, looky, who came out of the phone booth like Clark Kent turning into Superman, super producer, Zach Kroll in the house with me. All right, now, Zach, now it's bowl season. So I want to come back to the NFL in a minute, but it's bowl season. I want to respect college football. I want to tell you a couple bets that I've already put in for this upcoming week, and you give me your thoughts. Let's go to the Boca Raton Bowl, okay? Western Kentucky, you against App State. Now, I saw this point total open at 68, and I understood it. I bet App State a few times this season. They hit both bets for me. They score a lot of points. It's all good. I did not bet Western Kentucky. I, for, I, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, West Kentucky. I don't know anything about you. However, I looked at their schedule. They score points. But it opens at 68, and I think to myself, okay, if this was a regular season game, I'd be all over it, Zach. But because it's a bowl game, because it's a Boca Raton Bowl, I'm going to go under 68. I'm going to say that defense shows up. I'm going to say that these kids wanted a little bit more. I'm going to say that emotions are high and tensions are high and intensity is high. Even if it's a high scoring game, I'm going to go under the 68. This is a perfect example too. And we talk about on this show on back to the futures. You want to grab some of these numbers, some of these lines, some of these totals as soon as they open. This is a perfect example of that to me, Zach. I think it's opened high, and it's going to be bet down as we get closer to game time. Grabbing it at 68 to me is a beautiful bargain. 
Give me the under in the Western Kentucky App State Boca Raton Bowl. What do you think of that bet? Yeah, when you look at these two teams playing in the Boca Raton Bowl between App State and Western Kentucky, it should be uh, an interesting game. Western Kentucky is a team that really likes to score the ball. They are first in the country in points uh, in passing yards per game with mm. 434.6, uh, but the number is really high when you look at uh, the un- the over-under there. I think it's so key what you said, uh, 67 and a half right now where most places have it. But I think it's so interesting what you said about uh, w- are these kids going to care going into these bowl games? Because I feel like that is like the number one factor uh, when it comes to college football bowl games and betting on them that you really have to consider is with all of these teams around the country losing coaches. There are plenty of, uh, of these lower level teams uh, that have lost coaches as well. You really have to keep an eye out for that. Who really wants to win these games? And uh, between a Western Kentucky team that was just in the Conference USA Championship, App State, they were just in uh, the championship game in the Sun Belt. So these are two really good teams uh, playing in the uh, Boca Raton Bowl there. I like it, the under. All right, now I'm going to give you another under. But first, I, I just have to ask. I thought this was a typo, Zach. You told me in the break this is correct. Now, I wish Brandon Sprague all the health in the world. But I also wish he was here this week. Because I need some clarity on this game. I'm going to the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. (laughs) Presented by Stifle. Is this a real thing? Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl? I mean, what the hell is going on? What's next? The Zach Kroll filling in for Brandon Sprague roast beef bowl? Like, what the hell are we doing? Jimmy Kimmel has a bowl? Come on, bro. We have Utah State against Oregon State. I have so many questions here, Zach. Oregon State's favored by seven and a half. And I don't have Brandon Sprague here to ask him, but Utah State has a better record. I have bet Utah State this season and hit the bets. I have bet Oregon State this season and been burned several times, like touching a stove. And I'm tired of it. So I need to ask Sprague what the hell's going on there. But in the meantime, in between time, same thing here. I mean, I look up and this one opens at a high point total as well at 67 so you know me i just broke it down to you how i feel about these kids in these bowl games i'm going under again here i'm going right back to the underwell two bowl games two unders from your boy in the jimmy kimmel bowl i mean i can't even believe it zach how the hell does he get a bowl and how do i get to that level (laughs) yeah travis i think that is another part which makes uh, bowl season so great is just the crazy amount of bowl games. I hate the people that are out here saying, oh, there are too many bowl games. Not nah, here. There are never too many bowl games, especially now when we have the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I know Barstool Sports has their own bowl. That's pretty cool. So just a lot of uh, crazy bowl games. But Travis, the bowl game I'm looking at here in the early part of bowl season And we talk about traditions a lot. For me, it's crazy because with COVID and everything that's gone down in the last couple of years, there have been some changes to the sports calendar. But there's nothing better than on Christmas Eve when there are literally no other sports on. There's no NFL. (laughs) There's no NBA. There's no NHL. There's no college basketball. And the only thing on TV is Hawaii playing in the Hawaii Bowl because I feel like every year they are here playing in the same game on Christmas Eve. And this year they play Memphis, a Memphis Tiger team that they had a pretty uh, disappointing season. They only went six and six in the AAC. Historically, 
you know uh, Mike Norvell, and he, he did a good job there. Ryan Silverfield, the coach at Memphis. I just don't love the vibes here, and I'm getting a full touchdown with Hawaii at plus seven in the Hawaii Bowl. In uh, Hawaii, uh, in Honolulu, this game is being played. I just feel like there's no better bet. When I'm getting a touchdown, give me Hawaii playing in the Hawaii Bowl. Jesus, bro. This is our life. The Hawaii Bowl and the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I mean, honest to God, what's next? The Fruit Loops against the Lucky Charms Bowl. I can't even take it anymore. Let's talk about some real college football. Let's talk about the college football playoffs. And I want to talk. This is back to the future, Zach. As you know, let's talk about the futures on the natty. I mean, Alabama's favorite at plus 120. Can you even believe it? This is a team that uh, many thought were going to be on the outside looking in of the college football playoff. They beat Georgia's ass, and then you look up, and now they're the favorite to win the whole damn thing. Right behind them is Georgia at plus 135, Michigan at plus 750, and then uh, the poor Cincinnati Bearcats who stand no chance at plus 1,400. Uh, what do you think of these odds, and where's your bet? Because for me, I'm going the dogs, baby. I'm going Georgia. Look, I think if they get another shot at Alabama, which is exactly what's going to happen, Georgia's going to have to make a quarterback change. I know Kirby Smart saying that's not going to happen. Maybe it won't happen against Michigan. But uh, unless this kid lights it up, I think you have to make a change if you see Alabama again. And if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm making it sooner than later. I'm making the quarterback change before I play Michigan. Um, and I think you, you know, I don't care who's playing quarterback back there. It could be Jimmy Kimmel in his bowl game for all I care. I think they should handle Harbaugh and the Wolverines regardless. This is all about setting up that rematch against Alabama. And you have got to win that rematch if you're Georgia. Give me the Bulldogs at plus 135 to win the whole shebang bang Where are you going with your uh, future for the natty? So I think odds have a lot to do with this. I do agree with you that if Georgia were to get another chance at Alabama, I think they would have a, an okay shot. But the one problem I just have with Georgia is, you said it, it's their quarterback. Even in this SEC championship game against Alabama, where going into the game, everyone was saying that Georgia has this historically great defense and they've been the better team all year and no one was really giving Alabama a shot to win that game. That's when Nick Saban is at his best and Bryce Young proves that he's the best quarterback on the field. And Georgia never really stood a chance with Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett has now played Alabama twice and he's been blown out both times. Um, With that being said, I'm going to take Michigan. I think that once again, the odds do have a lot to do with it. And Alabama and Georgia probably both have a good chance to win this thing at plus 120 for Alabama, plus 135 for Georgia. But one thing I'll say about Michigan is I love the way they play defense. I love the way that they're able to run the football. And could you imagine for Coach Harbaugh, a guy who already has had such a great season uh, when everyone left him for dead after last year's disaster of a season, he's came out here and has won AP Coach of the Year, beating Ohio State, something that he has never been able to do. No one ever thought it would be possible for him to do. If he could somehow, some way, win back-to-back games over what? Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, then that would just be a, a, just an unreal stretch for a guy who I believe is a really good football coach. A lot of people like to make fun of him for his antics and his quirks, but the guy knows how to win football games. He's turned around multiple programs. He's won in the NFL. There are very few coaches in college football that have accomplished more 
just coaching the game than Coach Harbaugh at Michigan. And once again, I do think that when you look at Georgia, their quarterback really scares me. Like Stetson Bennett, he did a good job doing what was asked of him. But we saw what Georgia looked like with JT Daniels to end last season. They really had this spark, which really gave them uh, and their fans a lot of hope that maybe this could be the year for Georgia. But really, since that opening game against Clemson, their defense has really been their main uh, reason for winning and controlling the game there. Uh, I think they need to make a change at quarterback. And Alabama, yeah, they might probably win it, but plus 120 to win it. Those just aren't juicy enough for me. Michigan, a team that's been counted out all year, will be the team I will be believing in when they're counted out by most going into this playoff. Yeah, listen, count me in that group. I am counting Michigan out, and I am counting on uh, Back to the Futures to give you a drug test because I don't know what the hell is going on with you. Georgia's going to beat the hell out of Michigan. That's all there is to it. Now, let me ask you this. I want to end the show talking Super Bowl. So I'm looking at the updated Super Bowl odds. To no one's surprise, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 550. Right behind them, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Packers, and then the Cardinals. Which one of those teams, other than Tampa, do you like? Patriots, Chiefs, Packers, Cardinals. Yeah, so these were the odds going into today. Obviously, they could change um, after everything that's went down. But I will take the Chiefs at plus 700. When you have an offense and a coach and a defense, all three of the key phases in the NFL that are playing this well, we know just how tough of a team the Chiefs are to beat. They had the playoff experience. I'll take Kansas City at plus 700. You know what's crazy? I can't argue with you even though I wanted to. I'll take the Packers, though, also at plus 700. And here's what's interesting, Zach. I think you and I, after the show, should go put some money on a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl because I think we both like those teams uh, to get there, and I think that very well could be the matchup. How's that? That's an old-school NFL matchup right there. And this was an old-school, beautiful Back to the Futures. Travis Thomas, Zach Kroll, the super producer, filling in for Brandon Sprague. Brandon, get well soon. Hopefully he's back next week and all three of us are back. The band's back together, baby. Back to the futures. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. Travis Thomas and Brandon Sprague on Back to the Futures from BetQL.